Primary Care Knowledge Boost, Pharmacy Technicians in Primary Care. Hello and welcome back to Primary Care Knowledge Boost. Today we have another of our lovely chats with the different members of the primary care team. Yes, it's all about pharmacy technicians today. Um, We speak to Laura Boutroyd, who is a pharmacy technician working in primary care. Yeah, she gives us insights into the varied roles of pharmacy technicians within primary care and how it differs to the roles of a pharmacist. She also discusses what the training looks like and what the supervision and registration entails. And as we've said before, we really enjoy these conversations um, and we hope that that's useful for you too. So Laura, if we start with introductions, um, would you mind introducing yourself to the listeners and give us a bit of a background about yourself as well? Hi everyone, my name is Laura Butroyd and I'm a PCN pharmacy technician for the Well Up North Primary Care Network in North Northumberland. I have also been seconded at the primary care pharmacy practice learning facility at working on behalf of the North School of Pharmacy and Medicines Optimisation at Health Education England. Before this role, I had worked in primary care for 10 years and community pharmacy for 14 years. Excellent. So fully qualified to speak on this topic. (laughs) Yeah. So um, can we start with um, telling us what a pharmacy technician is? Yeah. Pharmacy technicians are GPHC registered pharmacy professionals who play an integral part in helping patients to make the most out of their medicines. Pharmacy technician roles span all areas of pharmacy practice from purchasing, manufacture, preparation, supply and final check of medicines to support in medicines use reviews and the administration of medicines. Pharmacy technicians are key members of the pharmacy and multidisciplinary team, engaging with patients and liaising with other healthcare professionals in both primary and secondary care to support the safe and effective use of medicines. Pharmacy technicians can work in a variety of different sectors, including primary care, secondary care, community pharmacy, care homes, CCGs, clinical support units, prisons, armed forces, hospices. Wow. Yeah. yeah, so very varied. It is very varied. And that's just to name a few. Yeah. I don't think I've ever heard of pharmacy technicians outside of um, like the classic primary and secondary care. That's really interesting. So I think one of the big questions is going to be, what is the difference between a pharmacy technician and a pharmacist? The difference is the level of education. A pharmacy technician studies for two years in their workplace to gain a level three diploma which enables them to register with the GPHC. A pharmacist goes to university to study for a master's degree in pharmacy. This takes four years and then has a one-year pre-reg foundation placement to do. A pharmacist can make clinical decisions. A pharmacy technician can't. Right. Okay. Um, And so what sort of background would someone have that was um, going into train as a pharmacy technician? Um, Because you said they train in the workplace. So could they come from any sort of background? Yeah, yeah, they can come from any background. That's really interesting. So you can have people that have done all sorts of different things before and then they decide, oh, I'm going to be a pharmacy tech and then go and do the in-work training. Yeah, you don't necessarily have to have background in pharmacy to do your pharmacy technician training. Yeah, even science or anything, you don't really need any kind of background in that. That's really interesting. And it's all on the job. So you start working and you're taught at the same time. Yes. Oh, okay. And so that probably leads us quite nicely into asking how um, how you became a pharmacy technician and kind of the decision process behind that and then what sort of training you experienced. Yeah, so 
I left school and went to work in a community pharmacy chain full time when I was 18. I got developed from the shop floor to selling over-the-counter medicines as a healthcare assistant and then put through my dispenser training. Mm-hmm. Once trained to the dispenser, I expressed my interest with my line manager to do my pharmacy technician training. There wasn't an opportunity for this in the branch that I then worked at, so I got transferred elsewhere and started my pharmacy technician training there. I got a feel for working in around six different branches and did a variety of different types of dispensing along the way. I did my training through the NPA, the National Pharmacy Association, and worked through modules and performed workplace activities with a pharmacist supervising this. The pharmacist assessed competencies and I completed the underpinning knowledge and qualified as a pharmacy technician in 2009. Today, the training is so different and so much better. The support that is out there for pre-reg pharmacy technicians is fantastic and it is very attractive, the training that is offered. A pharmacy technician can be an educational supervisor for a pre-reg pharmacy technician, which is great as going back a few years ago, the educational supervisor had to be a pharmacist, which was hard for a lot of workplaces to free up their pharmacists to supervise. I have three pre-registration pharmacy technicians that I'm an educational supervisor for, and they're all going through the Buttercup's Integrated Level 3 Cross-Sector Programme. They have regular meetings with their tutor at Buttercup's, progress reviews with myself, virtual classrooms and webinars to attend. The training is also through an apprenticeship scheme, which means that the candidate gets a day each week of study time too. The beauty of the cross-sector programme is that the trainees get to experience a number of sectors also. So it can be any combination of hospital, GP's practice, community pharmacy placements. When I got married and started my family, I decided to take a role that was lesser hours and more flexible. And that opportunity was for me was primary care. I had no experience in primary care and wasn't sure at the time, but it was the best decision that I could have made that I've progressed so much within that role. Oh, brilliant. There's something else I wanted to ask based off what you said. Oh, yeah, do the people who are training to be pharmacy technicians, do they get a choice in which places they can train at? No, they would be they would be applying for a job role with which has a cross-sector programme and it just depends what role at the time is advertised. In my workplace, we do primary care and community pharmacy cross-sector placements. But it might be different somewhere else in the country. There's hospital placements in primary care you can get. There's hospital and community pharmacy. It just depends what's advertised at the time. So that's at the application point. That makes more sense. So thinking particularly about the role of the pharmacy technician in primary care, uh, what's that like? It's very varied. There's clinical, technical and administrative rules and responsibilities within the PCN rule. A big part of the rule during COVID-19 is vaccination-related duties. There are many technicians out there that are preparing and reconstituting the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccination ready for administration. Some technicians are vaccinating, but there needs to be a PSD or a national protocol in order for this to be allowed. I have been auditing the vaccination work carried out by the surgeries within the PCN myself and distributing up-to-date data across the whole network on where we stand with the vaccinations and where the PCN is at. I carry out medicines optimization tasks. This includes effective medicines administration. A great example of this would be a patient's inhaler technique. 
creating SOPs for various tasks within the role, answering medicines-related queries from the patients and other members of the practice. For example, I've dealt with individual funding requests before. Ah. These are for patients obtaining certain devices and getting them ordered in for the patient. I would get many medication queries off GPs asking about items that can be prescribed to and often secondary care medicines related tasks asking the practice to prescribe certain items for the patients. Audit work and project work. This can be related to lots of different areas. An example of a recent project I did was an AF project, atrial fibrillation, and supporting the anticoagulation team and prescribers by collating data so these patients could be discussed at a virtual clinic and then arranging GP callbacks for the patients that need further follow-ups and changes of medications, etc. Medicines reconciliation, dealing with discharge letters and clinic letters and updating any medication changes. This has been the biggest part of my role over the years. Support and medication reviews and medicines reconciliation for new care home patients, synchronising medicines for patient transfers between care settings and linking in with community pharmacies. Managing the shared care protocols. For anyone unsure what a shared care protocol is, it's an agreement between secondary care and primary care regarding high-risk drugs. Primary care requires shared care agreements of the patient's hospital consultant with regards to certain medications. Supporting initiatives both locally and nationally to reduce inappropriate antibiotic prescribing. In my previous role, I went to extreme lengths to do this by searching the antibiotics that were going out of the practice each week and broke them down per prescriber. <laughs> each week a list would go out to all the prescribers and it would make them think about their prescribing habits. This worked really well within the practice. So keeping up to date with guidance and educating prescribers is very important as guidance changes all the time. Yeah. Supporting self-care initiatives, encouraging patients to buy over-the-counter wherever possible and educating prescribers on self-care too. It's surprising how many prescribers don't realise what is available over-the-counter in pharmacies. I've been involved in clinical meetings for prescribers and update them all on our targets and where we are in achieving them. Reducing medication waste. The Department of Health estimates that unused medicines cost around £300 million every year. So in my previous role, I implemented a 28-day prescribing rule that way patients order what they need for the months. We stopped third-party ordering. This is when someone orders medication on the patient's behalf. Also, educating patients on waste too is very important. Sorry, Laura. So third-party requesting of medicines, would that reduce waste? I'm, I'm just thinking of people's carers or husbands or partners sort of ordering for them. So you tend to find that a lot of pharmacies would be ordering medication on the patient's behalf. Ah, right. And they yeah. would order all the medication that the patient gets monthly with not necessarily checking with the patient beforehand whether they needed it or not. Uh, is that hence sometimes if you do a home visit to someone who's not been the best with their medicines, they might have a full, full cupboard? Yeah, yeah. Or they order hydromol ointment every month and they only need it every three months, that sort of thing. Ah, uh, okay. For anyone listening, repeat dispensing is the way forward. Electronic repeat dispensing is when a GP practice issues up to 12 months of medication to the patient's nominated pharmacy. 
The duration depends upon the medication and the GP's practice. High-risk drugs and CD drugs are not suitable for electronic repeat dispensing. In the practice I currently work in, we have a 50% repeat dispensing rate, which means 50% of the practice's medications that are prescribed are on repeat dispensing. It saves time for GPs, practices and community pharmacies. Managing repeat dispensing and door set changes and tasks and developing a relationship with community pharmacies. This is important to have a good relationship with all the local community pharmacies. Sounds like a ton of work, Laura. <laughs> like when you list it all, it's quite impressive how much the like pharmacy technicians can can do. I'm just thinking how much work yeah. that takes mm. off. I don't know what you think, Sarah. Yeah, definitely. The repeat dispensing was something we definitely, since um, COVID, we've been sort of really on it with repeat dispensing, which initially was a fair amount of work. But then once it's set up, it's running. I had just one question I was going to ask you about is in Manchester, we've got a sort of red, amber, green list of medicines that we can prescribe in, in general practice. Is that something that you get involved in? Yeah, so the traffic light list, the have to have a good knowledge of that because whenever you're doing clinic letters or discharge letters and the hospital consultant might be requesting a medicine that primary care can't prescribe which happens quite often the red drugs um you have to get in touch with them and let them know that we can't actually prescribe it and they're not always aware of that yeah so having a good knowledge of the traffic light list is important and then some some of the jobs that come off a change of medicines from a discharge summary might be sort of you know that they've started a, a new ACE inhibitor and can you check your use and ease check the bloods in two weeks is is that the kind of thing that you get involved in as well sort of organizing that setup or was would that go to reception I guess everywhere is a bit different everywhere is different that's not something that I currently do in my job role but that is something that pharmacy technicians are actively involved in so it really just depends on how the the local PCNs want to kind of use the pharmacy technician. Yeah. So the question about your career now. Um, so at the moment, it sounds like you're doing a lot, but what does your job look like? What's the day job look like for you at the moment? So I started the primary care pharmacy education pathway in May of this year. This is a mandatory course for all pharmacy technicians within PCNs. Yeah. It develops you clinically. I'm also seconded currently to Health Education England at the Primary Care Pharmacy Practice Learning Facilitator in this role. I've developed a network of educational supervisors and lead on educational supervisor meetings to support supervisors and their trainees, support new pharmacy technicians employed within GP practices, PCNs and signposting them to suitable training foundation and advanced practice identifying gaps in available education and training it's quite good that someone kind of is is in that role and looking after the educational aspect of these roles because we were talking about this the other day that um in some of these additional roles they feel like they're a little bit plunked into primary care and maybe don't have that support no one's really looking out for their education and their development so it's lovely that that's in place where you are yeah for a long time there hasn't been the support in primary care but now, starting this new role that I've done, I see that there is a lot of support out there. So it's all good. All good for pharmacy technicians. Brilliant. 
And you mentioned um, in terms of the, the training that um, whenever you're training to be a pharmacy technician, there could be some cross sector working. Does that carry on into kind of the, the full time job? Have people got the opportunities when they're fully qualified to work between different sectors? Absolutely. I would say at the moment, there's not that many, but I think in years to come, there will be more. So it's developing, I would say. Good. Uh, just because I sometimes think that, yeah, you can be a little bit pigeonholed and maybe you don't want to just work in primary care or just work in secondary care. So it would be nice that people have the opportunity to work across both. Definitely. That would increase um, the understanding of, of what each uh, system is going through as well. So we've got some quick fire questions for you. Um, ones that we keep getting asked about for the hours roles. Um, so if you can do like a few words on each question, if that's all right. <laughs> So can pharmacy technicians prescribe in primary care? Unfortunately not. It's only pharmacists who can prescribe currently, but who knows what the future will bring. Um, And how much clinical supervision do pharmacy technicians require in primary care? When you start a pharmacy technician role, there would be more supervision at the start, especially around ensuring competency for tasks at hand or SOP sign-off. A pharmacy technician does not need supervised at all time. And I think the degree of autonomy is important. And over time, as being part of being a registered role, it's important to be aware of your own limitations and continually to keep a record and asking for support and when being supervised or highlighting your concerns. Can pharmacy technicians clinically supervise other clinical specialties in primary care? And if so, which ones? So pharmacy technicians can clinically supervise pre-registration pharmacy technicians and pharmacy support staff, such as dispensers and medicines management administration staff. And do pharmacy technicians have to have any special experience or qualifications to enable them to work in primary care? So experience is an advantage, but it's not essential, as full training should be given. Currently in the PCN rules, it's a mandatory requirement to be enrolled on the primary care pharmacy education pathway. This equips pharmacy technicians with the necessary knowledge, skills and experience to work in various patient-facing roles in PCNs as part of the multidisciplinary team. So I think our next one is, what's involved in the pharmacy technician's professional registration and who are they registered with? So pharmacy technicians must complete revalidation every year. This consists of four CPDs, one peer discussion record and one reflective account record. The GPHC is a general pharmaceutical council. It helps to keep their professional skills and knowledge up to date, reflects on how we can improve, ensures how we can provide the safe and effective care patients in the public expect. All of this is set out in the pharmacy standards that we must abide by. Pharmacy technicians have an annual fee to pay also to remain to practice as a pharmacy technician. And just a quick question, is that um, after the two years of training that you then start that process? Yes. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So in terms of uh, the final question, what, what would you like listeners to take away from the chat today? I want people to think about the pharmacy technician rule and that it is a very exciting career to have and for workplaces to remember that pharmacy technicians can bring value to the workforce. I definitely think that's come across. Yeah, that's a nice, clear message. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, thank you so much. That's amazing, Laura. Thank you. No, thank you. So that was really lovely talking to Laura. What did you take away from that episode? 
I think it's the same as I probably say the rest of the times that we do this, but it's just learning about this role. Like, I didn't appreciate, again, how much a pharmacy technician can do. Yeah. Just how much of, of a workload kind of removal that that would be for other clinicians in primary care. And yeah, I was just really surprised. It, it always takes me by surprise the, the very nature of these roles. What about you? Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Um, When I first qualified as a GP a few years ago, we had a pharmacy technician in that practice and I had not appreciated how much she was doing until I went to another practice where they didn't have a pharmacy technician. And all of that, that admin burden, it's just... It's a lot. Um, so to have people who are dedicated to those roles who are kind of going through, you know, the um, discharge summaries and changing medications and looking at different elements, really, um, and, you know, and, and sorting out so that everyone's uh, prescriptions were kind of aligned and things like that. It was, it's just it's lovely. It's such a really important part of the patient experience and um, and the practice, you know. So it's it was it was fabulous to have them there. Like she was worth her weight in gold. <laughs> I can imagine, and like I think it was it was just interesting to learn about the, the 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 training that's involved and the fact that it's it's on the job, yeah, and the fact that they do train in different locations, and um, so it's not just primary care focused, it's not just secondary care focused. There's a bit of variety in that training, which I think is probably quite useful for wherever they'll end up working. So yeah, I thought that that was quite good. And I didn't also realise she said at the beginning about all the different places they could work, like prisons and hospitals yeah. and all these other places. That was really interesting. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I really liked um, hearing about all her different roles, essentially, in terms of so the training side of things and the quality improvement side of things. And I'd sort of vaguely been aware that they were involved in vaccines, but actually all of that making up of all the vaccines and how yeah so it's a huge those have been a huge job haven't they and yeah and I didn't realize about um getting involved in inhaler techniques or individual funding or um yeah making sure that shared care agreements sort of how that looks as well so yeah it's it's it's, uh just such huge and important parts of practice that they can help with yeah so yeah that's that's us for today um if you want to get in touch with us in any way um you can do we've got an email address which is primarycarepodcasts at gmail.com or you can find us on twitter and our handle is at pckb podcast or you can fill in our survey um, and we put a link in the description to that and it's very quick if you want to use that as the method to get in touch as well thank you to everyone who's got in touch so far we appreciate your feedback <laughs> till next time on primary care knowledge boost Hey guys, just a friendly reminder that these podcasts are for healthcare professional education and shouldn't be used for medical advice by the general public. This was recorded in Greater Manchester in 2021. Guidelines can vary by location as well as over time, so always check for up-to-date local and national guidelines before making treatment decisions. Uh, The content is based on our interviewee's opinion and interpretation of current best practice. It's your responsibility to use your clinical judgment before applying or relying on information solely from this podcast. Check out the episode description for full details and any links that we've mentioned in the episode.